This is the house call. All right, welcome back to the Brick House. We got Matt, Ernesto, and myself. I'm, I'll be modding and hosting for this, and Joe's going to be out for this uh, this month. Uh, we have some some crazy topics we're going to go over today, but we'll just dive right into it. We have AD and his crazy stretch that he's had over this last week and a half. So uh, what are your thoughts on that, Matt? Man, he is absolutely going off in this recent stretch, man. This is So this is kind of my dilemma with AD, right? Over his last 10 games, I'm excluding the Cleveland game because he was left with an illness. He's averaging 34, 15, and three blocks and a steal per game. He's going absolutely insane, right? Now he leads the league in rebounds. He's over 12 rebounds a game. He's third in the league in blocks while averaging 27 points per game on 59% shooting. Like, he's going absolutely insane right now. He's going crazy. But my problem with AD is, why can you not do this all the time? Why do you only pick certain times where you do this and when you don't? Like, you should be doing this every single year. You're fully capable. Obviously, the injuries have held him back a little bit. But you can be doing this all the time. And if he was doing this all the time, we wouldn't have to worry about the Lakers and, you know, what they're going to do and how they're going to be because you still have LeBron, you still got Russ. So they're going to be a lot better if AD consistently performs like this. But he chooses not to sometimes. And it's really, really frustrating because he's got all the talent in the world to be the best player in the world. Like, he's got just as much talent as Giannis. He's got just as much talent as anybody in the world. He just chooses not to be what he can be at times. And I think if he chooses to be like this, from now on, we're going to be talking about AD every single year as one of the best players in the league. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Uh, Ernesto, uh, your thoughts? Um, I kind of, I mean, I'm going to go over some quick notes. Like, the out of the last 10 games for the Lakers, he has scored over 30 points six times and over 15 rebounds six out of 10 times. Now, this is something we've seen from Anthony Davis in the past. And as Matt mentioned, injuries may have held him back. I think full-blown injuries have held him back. Uh, I do think he, after a few injuries, he did start playing a little bit scared. He started trying to play more from the perimeter and stuff like that. And I, I think it was Shaq who said something to him. It was like, play big, stop playing scared. And that's what he's doing now. And he's playing how he used to play back in New Orleans. He does shoot the three ball occasionally, but he's playing in the post. He's, you know, attacking the rim. And it's, this is not a surprise to me. We all know Anthony Davis had this in his criteria. We all know he was capable of this. But injuries and, you know, sometimes you don't want to get injured. You don't want to miss time. And I understand that fully, but, you know, shooting the mid-range and, like, pulling up from threes isn't your strength. It's posting up, back to the basket, big body, that kind of stuff. And he keeps doing this, you know, the Lakers could make a run. Um, You mentioned Westbrook. I don't think Westbrook is shit for the Lakers. I think he's just the thorn in their side. He's taking $45 million in cap space from them. Like, that was money you could have spent elsewhere. I blame LeBron for that trade because he's the one that vouched for Westbrook. And they ended up getting rid of Kuzma and a bunch of great role players. And they can't shoot the three-pointer for shit now. So, uh, just one quick question before we'll move on, because I kind of agree with both of you. Uh, either either you two you can answer. Do you guys think that when they play when they play through AD more often that the Lakers are are better off, or do you do you like it when they play with with LeBron at point and ball dominant? Hundred percent. I think it's a hundred percent playing through AD because 
the 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 thing that you need to do with LeBron if you want to play through LeBron is you need to spread the floor with shooters, right? You can go pick, mm-hmm. you can go AD LeBron pick and roll, and then spread the floor with shooters. So if they decide that they decide to cave in on that AD LeBron pick and roll, then you can kick it to a shooter. Like in the past, it was a Caldwell Pope or a Caruso or something like that. Right now, you don't have those shooters. You have almost no shooting on your team. Lonnie Walker's shooting it okay. They cut their uh, they cut Matt Ryan, so that there goes their one shooter. But and Pat Bev's not shooting the ball well. So Russ obviously can't shoot. AD's not a great shooter. LeBron's probably one of their best shooters, and he's average. So you got to play through AD. You have to. He's he's your best player as far as you know getting a getting an absolute bucket goes right now. And I think to to kind of counter Ernesto, I think Russ has actually helped AD a lot because he can get into the paint. And then when Russ gets into the paint, you can just duck it off to AD. And AD's getting a lot of easy buckets from Russ's penetration. So I think they absolutely have to play through AD if they want to continue to have success. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you there. I uh, When I've been watching these Lakers games, I've noticed a complete shift in energy when they're playing through Anthony Davis instead of LeBron James. Uh, I think LeBron's just, he's in his 20th year. He's not hes not supposed to be running the offense like like he, he was when he was 21. And uh, give give Anthony Davis the ball and let him go to work. Because that's I'm going to say this. The- I, you and me are both Celtics fans. So we you know how much we hate LeBron James. <laughs> I cannot deny this man's fucking greatness because um, this man is 38 and he is still playing at one of the highest levels. He's the NBA's equivalent to the NFL's Tom Brady. And I would not be surprised if LeBron plays into his 40s because this man... Uh, LeBron, yes, they're playing through AD, but if LeBron needs to take over, LeBron will go out there and get you 40 points in a heartbeat. 100%. But Anthony yeah, Davis is just... He's an animal. I I agree. I agree with LeBron too. LeBron's at this stage of his career. I don't think he wants to go into the paint as much. He's he's yep. he's taking more threes. He doesn't want to take that beating on his body. You know, getting hacked in the paint like he normally does. He's taking a little more threes, but he can still take over a game for sure. I think he's still a top ten player in the league. He's still he can still like Ernesto said. He can still go out there and give you forty. He can still go out there and give you fifteen assists. Like he's he's still got it. So the Lakers can might be able to uh, do some damage out there in that kind of wide open West. Exactly. All right. So uh, we'll go on to uh, we'll go on to a few of these teams that have were on. They started off slow and now they have kind of turned it around. They they still aren't in the playoff picture as of now. But the Nets, Lakers and Warriors, they're all starting to turn their season around. Which which uh, team do you guys think will have the best playoff run or the best chances for a playoff run? We'll start uh, with for Ernesto. Me, or, or, go for it, Ernesto. Go for it, Ernesto. Warriors. I, I think the Warriors have, have the best chance. I don't trust the Nets. I, I think the Nets, just off sheer talent, you could go on these win streaks. You can make the plan. But, you know, your chemistry is dog shit. You have no chemistry. You have KD calling out his teammates. You have Kyrie. God, he, he's the Kanye West of the NBA. Okay? <laughs> I'll go as far as to say that. Um, <laughs> Pretty much. You got Ben Simmons, who's scared to play. Uh, you have a coach that isn't vocal about it you have a, a gm and an owner that doesn't own up to your mistakes so you got, you got all these problems in this organization yes off sheer talent with your two star players are going to win games no one said they're not but i don't think they're going to go a deep playoff one especially if they run into the best team in the east the boston celtics they're going to get swept again i and i and i and i'll guarantee so that. so let me ask you this with with that uh with you saying all that if you were the gm of the nets are you going to make any changes to the team or are you just going to 
let this team go and finish it out with this finish out the season like as is. It was a bust. I think with the GM, as much as you may hate to admit, it's a bust. Partnering up KD and Kyrie was a bust. I think all, Kyrie is what on a one year. I think so. You're about to lose Kyrie most likely because he's on his player option. And I see you trade Kyrie at the deadline and try and keep KD. Try and get as much as you could get for Kyrie Irving. Try and get some depth. Because that team, if you have maybe shooters, some good role players, you can maybe make a run. You just need Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is an animal. He's one of the most talented players of this generation. And I'm going to go, the reason I picked the Warriors is because they were world champions. They know what the fuck they're doing. And it's the same roster from last year. They've had some injuries. Clay Thompson, obviously, is still coming back to, from that, you know, ACL thing. It's not the same. Um, I still got the Warriors making the deepest run because they're a team that, even if they're the 10th seed and they put in the play-in, they're still like a team that can beat that play-in team, then go beat the next play-in team and sweep the number one seed. Like, they're just that deadly, especially Steph Curry in the playoffs where he's dropping 50 to 60 at night. Um, as far as the Lakers go, I need I need Anthony Davis to stay healthy. And I need them to get shooting. You need to make a move at the deadline. I don't know what you're going to do, but you need to either make a move at the deadline. Fucking shit. Call up Carmelo Anthony. He could shoot the corner three. Get LeBron's <laughs> banana boat buddy out there or something. Corner three. But I know I know Jay Crowder is out there on the on the trade block. So yeah, maybe, maybe they could go grab him as a three Jay and D player. Crowder, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many players that they could get and they just don't. But... Yeah, I think the Warriors are the, are the most deadliest team that can make a run because they got championship pedigree, no coaching changes of of the last four years, same core players basically. They're homegrown. Yes, they signed Kevin Durant a few years ago, but they're homegrown players. Yep. So, uh, Matt, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, it's definitely Golden State for me. I mean, they literally just won the championship last year. And, I mean, the West – We've been talking about it. The West is wide open. Like, New Orleans right now is playing well. They're the number one seed, but we ha- we haven't seen anything th- from them playoff-wise. You know, Memphis, they're still a young team. They, you know, made a little bit of a run last year in the playoffs. Denver, we've seen them kind of go, you know, in and you know, in and out of the playoffs. But I think it's I think it's clearly Golden State. I mean, Steph Curry is still being Steph Curry. Right now, he's averaging 30 points, 7 assists, 6.6 rebounds on a 50-40-90 season. So, if he's having a better, you know, if, they're, if their record's better, like, he's a- MVP talks as well. Clay's showing signs. He's shooting 46% from three over his last 10 games. Wiggins has actually gotten better since last year. And I think those young guys are going to start stepping up. The Kamingas, the the Wisemans, the Moses Moody's. I think those guys are going to start stepping up. And if they don't, I mean, you could always make a move. Like, they still got their picks. They still got those young guys. You can make a move and flip for another star. I've been hearing stuff about Zach Levine from the Chicago Bulls. He might be possibly available. If you go get Zach Levine and put him with, you know, Curry, Clay, Draymond, Wiggins, like, Jordan Poole, like, that's a again. You're gonna you're gonna have a really good shot at winning the Western Conference. So, and then as far as the Nets go, like, listen, I, they're they're the best of these three teams right now, record wise. But I have the least faith in them because they got to beat the Celtics and they got to beat the Bucks out East. Like, you're not beating either of those teams. Like Ernesto says, sweep. I would say probably a sweep and max five, maybe the absolute max six games. But you're getting you're 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 getting gone quick if you're playing one of those two teams. So the Nets can't make a run because they're not better than those teams. And then. Like Ernesto said with the Lakers, it's injuries, it's the lack of shooting. The Lakers got to make a move for more shooting. You're just not going to be able to win win a title in a in a in, in the 2020s with zero shooting. So you got to make a move for some shooting. But so it's clearly the Warriors, in my opinion. 
Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you guys. I think that the Warriors have have the best chances at making that playoff run. Uh, even though that the Lakers have made this crazy stretch, I still don't believe in them much. I, I like what they did, and I like how Russell Westbrook is playing off the bench. He's playing incredible. I like what I'm seeing from Anthony Davis. Uh, I just I just don't think it's going to result in and then getting anything crazy, ridiculous. Like I don't think they're going to be a top six seed, and I think that they're going to be fighting for the bottom two seed in the in the uh, in the playing game. But mm-hmm. if they do if they do make that playing game, then with with LeBron and Anthony Davis, they definitely have a shot. But just like you said, that they they need a lot of shooting. Healthy, healthy yep. Anthony Davis. Gotta stay healthy. Big yeah. big question. If have, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll go as far as to say, if the Lakers get shooting, I would not be surprised. Remember, LeBron saves a lot of his stuff for the playoffs, and I I would not be surprised if the Lakers could make a sneaky run too. But they need shooting. You, you need to shoot. I, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised by that either. I mean, the one year that they were both healthy, they won the title, you know. So, but they got to stay healthy and they got to get shooting because those are the two things that they're they're really lack. Yep. No, I totally agree. And uh, my thoughts on the Nets. I just think that you know the Nets are kind of wasting Kevin Durant's last few years, uh, at least with him being the number one option. And while he can take over games, both sides of the both sides on the ball, I think that they need to make a move do something to help KD out because he's already said it in the earlier in the year his, with him and his teammates, like they, they're not going to win a championship. So um, we'll, we'll off the, on that note though, we'll, we'll move forward to another guy in the West who has also been killing it. Zion Williamson, as you mentioned, and the Pelicans are the one seed. They're on a five game win streak in, and the, uh, and it doesn't seem like anyone, anyone can stop them. So, We'll start with Matt. Uh, what do you see the Pelicans doing from here on out? Man, again, that this Western Conference is wide open right now. So you give me a Zion Williamson who right now is averaging 24 a game on 60% shooting. Then you got Brandon Ingram as your number two. He's averaging 21 points per game on 47% from the field, 47% from three, 87% from the line. And you got CJ McCollum, who's like, uh, who's probably one of the best number three options in the league and he hasn't been playing well he's averaging 17 points but he's only been shooting 39 percent from the field and 33 percent from three so he'll get better you got valanchunas averaging 13 and nine and right now they've got the second best point differential in the league at 6.9 points per game only the celtics have a better point differential they're the fifth highest scoring team in the league they're the sixth lowest scoring defense so they've been playing really good defense under willie green and they're top 10 in three-point percentage and they're number one in opponents three-point percentage so got so they make the three and guys can't make the three on them so They've got a lot of depth. I love Alvarado coming off their bench. He's a he's a little spark plug coming off the bench. I love him. Man, he's awesome. He he got those little sneak attacks going. <laughs> yeah. and he he made he made eight threes the other night. He scored thirty eight points off the bench. I know. So he's ridiculous. like a little ninja on the court. <laughs> it's crazy. You he's one of my favorite players to watch. And then you got Herb Jones. This is a team where if things break right for them, I could see them making a sneaky run to the finals. I could see it because like we've been talking about, the West is so wide open. So these guys are these these guys are going to be a problem, especially year, years to come. Zion and Brandon Ingram are still young, you know. So these guys are gonna these guys are gonna be a force for a lot of years to come. Absolutely, uh, Ernesto, your thoughts on the Pelicans? Uh, I'm not surprised. Um, when I did my preseason uh, ranking, uh, well, I did it about two weeks into the season because Joe was attacked by his uh, garage door, so I I couldn't record with him. Um, 
the funny thing is I had I didn't have the Pelicans in my top five because I thought there was just other teams that I felt like were deeper. But I still believe in them because they're such a young team. And, you know, I also have questions on Zion's weight because, obviously, you know, being 280-something and only 6'7", that's got to hurt your knees, man. It's a lot. It's a lot, but no one's ever questioned Zion was going to be a monster. Like, a lot of people were like, he's so big and bulky that, like, he could just dominate almost anyone, you know? A lot of these big men now, power forward centers in the NBA, are kind of soft. You know, you got your Embiid's and your Gobert's and your few, like, guys that are really, like, tough down there, your Giannis's, but in reality, you have a lot of guys that just want to shoot the ball and don't really want to play defense, and they get bullied by Zion. Like, Zion just one arm tosses you 10 feet away, and he just slams it on you. And that's something that we haven't seen since Shaquille O'Neal was playing, and I'm not comparing them because, obviously, Shaq is one of the all-time greats, but Zion can stay healthy, keep doing what he's doing. He's going to be a dominant, dominant four in the league, and, you know, he's not shy to take three-pointers either if he could develop a nice consistent three-pointer the pelicans are going to be a problem for years to come brandon ingram was getting comparisons to kevin durant pre-draft and stuff like that you know his first few seasons didn't look like it then he goes to new orleans struggle like struggles for a bit of a half uh, a half of the first year he's there picks it up and he's been averaging steadily 20 points a game the last few seasons he's been there brandon ingram we've known he has this and you mentioned cj mccollum the best start option he was number two in in New in uh, Portland, and he was great there. And now he comes here, and he's like, "Hey, I'm the point guard. I'm gonna facilitate the ball. I'm gonna score when I need, but I'm gonna give you all the ball. This is y'all show." You know, they're a great team. And three of their last five games that they've won, they've scored over 110 points. Three out of them. three out of five, they've scored over 110, and that's crazy because, like I said, Dave David Griffin is doing a great job there. We, he did it in Cleveland, and he's doing it again in New Orleans. Yeah, no, I'm 100% with you guys. Um, the way I see the Pelicans, it, it kind of reminds me of the Phoenix Suns a few years back where they were a bad, bad team. And then out of nowhere, they had a good run in the bubble. And then the next year, they're the number one seed. Uh, I, I'm not going to sit here and say the Pelicans are going to keep the number one seed all year. But I do think that they're going to be a top four seed in the Western Conference. And I think that Zion, if he's healthy and if he's running point guard for the, for the Pelicans... I just don't think that there's many teams that can stop that because 6'6", 280, running point guard, when he can cross up a, a big man, there's there's no other guy on the court that can that can stop him. So uh, I, I think he's gonna I think he's gonna have a great season if he stays healthy. But moving on, we'll go to two some two other teams who are also overperforming expectations. What uh, one from each side of the conference? We got the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Sacramento Kings. Uh, do you guys see them staying where they're at? Who do you, who do you think is going to keep this these performances up? And uh, just tell me what you guys think about the team. So we'll start with uh, with Ernesto. I, I think Cleveland keeps it up more than Sacramento. I think Cleveland is, a, is one of those sneaky teams that they've uh, – they were good last season. They snuck into the playoffs. They gave uh, – the two, uh, no, they gave someone a run for their money. I can't, I don't remember who, but I know they made the playoffs last season. They gave it was Atlanta a really good run. Atlanta, they gave Atlanta a really good run. It was run. a plan. Atlanta and the plan. The plan. Yeah. It, it was a plan. Okay, mm-hmm. I know they made the plan mm-hmm. in the playoffs. Uh, then you go out and get Donovan Mitchell, who is a great player. You know, he was one of the best players in his draft. He was like in the middle, like ten to fifteen pick. I don't remember exactly when he was picked, but he. 
Like, you go and upgrade, and you have two, like, franchise guards. Evan Mobley is a franchise four. He's a great defender, good post player, can shoot the three. You got Jared Allen from the Nets, who uh, at the time everyone was like, oh, he's just a good defender. He's developed into a really good post player, good rebounder, good defender in that paint as well. You have good bench, other deep. Sacramento, I think, is overdoing expectations a lot. Will they continue it? Maybe. You know, you got DeMontis Sabonis, who I really like. And I've said it in the Brickhouse chat. I said, I when he was on the block last season, I wanted Brad Stevens to try and get him because I thought we needed another four or someone big down low. And, you know, the Kings got him. And I've liked him since he was in Indiana. I, I, my cousin went to school with Darren Fox in Houston. So I've kind of been following Darren Fox since she mentioned that. And, He's a great, he's super fast, he's really good, he's a great slasher. Uh, inconsistent shooting, but he's a good player. I really don't know who else is on the Kings besides those two, because the Kings are like just one of those teams that I didn't expect them to do this. I, I didn't. So I didn't really like follow, look at their roster and stuff like that, but they're surprising a lot of people. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, do you, So Matt, do you think that the, the Kings can keep up their absurd offensive pace that they're that they're doing right now? I think they're number I think it's like top five in NBA history at the moment. Yeah, and they're and they're only second to uh the Celtics right now in points per game. They're averaging only a point and a half less than the Celtics. And obviously we've talked about how uh how prolific that Celtics offense has been and how you know how much shooting that they have. But I don't think listen, I love the Kings. I, I and, and the Kings Kings fans, you deserve it, okay? Because Kings fans, you guys have been in misery for a long time, okay? If any Kings fans are watching, I'm so sorry for what you guys have been through for the last fifteen years because you guys have been you guys have been down bad for sure. Um, and you guys got some great players this year. I mean, like uh, like Ernesto was saying, De'Aaron Fox, DeMontis Sabonis, like you got two legitimate stars there. You know, Fox is averaging 23 a game, five boards, five assists. Sabonis is averaging 17 a game, 11 boards, seven assists. Like Sabonis' passing ability is something that really opens up the rest of their offense. It opens the rest of their offense up for those shooters. They still got Kevin Herter, who's averaging 15 a game. They got Malik Monk, who came over from the Lakers. He got, he's averaging 15 a game. Harrison Barnes. The OG, he's still in the league, averaging 13 a game. And then their rookie uh, first-rounder, uh, Keegan Murray, he's still at, he's averaging 11 a game as well. So you're surrounding those guys with shooters. So the offense is still going to be good, I think. I don't know if it can keep up this pace, but I think their defense is going to lack because they don't have a lot of a lot of defensive guys on that team as of now. You know, Fox and Sabonis aren't known as defensive guys. I think you could probably take advantage of Herder defensively as well. So um, I don't think they can keep it up. I think they might be able to, to hold a play-in spot in the West. But, you know, you're going to be competing with teams like the Clippers and the Warriors and the Lakers who've got, you know, proven playoff teams who can come in and, you know, it's going to be tough for them. So uh, I don't see I don't see the the the, the Kings keeping it up. And uh, do you, what are your thoughts on the uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers as of right now? Man, the Cavs, the Cavs are nice, dude. Donovan Mitchell's getting slept on as far as MVP goes. He's averaging 29 a game like this. And, and they're the three seed in the, in the East. So um, I don't think, again, the East is tough because you got to go through Boston and you got to go through Milwaukee. So no matter how good your team is, like those are those are easily the two best teams in the league. You're not getting through those two teams if they're healthy, you know. So I think I think Boston and on and Milwaukee are on a collision course in the East. So I mean, but like Ernesto said, you got Donovan Mitchell, you got Darius Garland too. He's your number two. He's averaging 22 a game and seven assists, you know. So he's playing super well. You got Evan Mobley, you got Jared Allen, you got Karis LeVert, you got Kevin Love coming off the bench. Like you got you got some dudes on this team. Like they they're a really good team. This is I think this is definitely the third best team in the East. But 
And I think they'll stay there for most of the year. But again, you got to get through the Celtics. You got to get through the Bucks. It's not going to happen. You know, there's those two teams are just too good at this point. Yep. So, yeah, I think that uh, I think Donovan Mitchell was that missing piece that the Cavs needed. He he fit in perfect. They have great young talent all around. They have great defense. They got defensive minded athletes and Jared Allen and some other guys. But now now they have Donovan Mitchell who can just go get a bucket for them and Darius Garland. They they just got playmakers all around. I think that the Cavs can be a sneaky team. Um, I don't think it's this. I don't think that they'll make a crazy run in the playoffs this year. But within the next few years, I do see them uh, being there, right there with the Bucks and the Celtics, and pushing them, pushing them to maybe Game Six or Seven. But uh, well, enough of that. We'll uh, we'll go on to some of the mid-season award, or quarter-season awards for the for the NBA. We're at the quarter-season mark, so we'll just do some rapid-fire uh, awards. Who, can I can what? I mention can I mention some quick uh, stuff that I, that I didn't um, know was going around the NBA real quick? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you guys know the top five scores is Luca 32, 33, basically, Giannis thirty two, Shea Gilgis Alexander thirty one point one, yeah, and you got Tatum thirty, and you got yep. Curry at thirty. And I want to point out Luca's averaging basically thirty three a game, nine assists a game, and nine rebounds a game. Beast. And I also want to point out the Mavericks on a three-game win streak. They scored one twenty-one, one thirty, and beat the Suns, and one sixteen to beat the Nuggets. So they're they've beat two good teams the last three games. And we'll move on. They're, and I'll, and I'll, no, they're they're I'll, they're they're gonna waste Luca Luca's talent, in my opinion. If they don't get another superstar next to him, gotta get a second star. If if you if you're gonna count on Luca to average thirty-three nine and nine. Every game, yeah, he might get it, but it's just not a winning formula. We saw it. We saw it with LeBron on the on his first run with the Cavs. Like you, you can't do it. Like he, yeah, no matter he, how good LeBron was, he couldn't get past those Celtics. He couldn't get past you know the Dwight Howard uh, magic. He couldn't you know he couldn't get over the top in the finals because he didn't have that second guy. As soon as he got that second guy, he starts winning. You know, and yeah. that's what and that's what Luca needs as well. He needs that second guy who can go who can go get it too and they can have an actual, you know, it's not just a complete backpack on Luca's part, you know. They tried, yeah. but Porzingis was a bust yeah, for them. They didn't I, fit well together. I I don't think they fit well. I want I want somebody who's a two-way player that's like a wing that's uh that can that can finish the ball and kind of plays plays fast to push the pace push the pace Mark for Cuban. The Mark Cuban give Give Chicago a call. Exactly. Pair him with Zach Levine or DeRozan. Mm-hmm. Oh, Can you imagine you the alley-oops? The alley-oops yeah. That'd be right? wild. That'd, that'd be, wild. be Yeah, that'd be a good team. Uh, but we'll go ahead and get uh, to the quarter season awards here. We'll we'll start with you, Matt. Uh, we'll start with Coach of the Year. Who's your Who do you have as the uh, the leading candidate so far? For me, coach of the year, we just talked about the Pelicans. I'm going with Willie Green. They got the they got the best team out west. He's a very highly thought of head coach. They got that team. He's got the team playing defense. They're the they're the sixth best defensive team in the league right now. And you know, there's not many like super. You don't think of like super great defenders on that team either. So he's got them bought in. And I mean, we saw it last year in the playing round versus the Clippers. Like they knocked the Clippers out of the playing, and then they took them six last year. Or they took the Suns six, excuse me, last year in the playoffs without Zion. So now you throw Zion in. And you got the number one team in the West, so I'm going to go with Willie Green from the Pelicans. And Ernesto, I, I, don't, I don't think it's close. I think it's Joe Mazzulla. And you could say I'm biased because I'm a Celtics fan, 
the, like he he took over the team in training camp before the season started last second because of some controversy. They're t- they're twenty one and five. They're the, they're they're scoring the most points that has almost been unseen in NBA history. They they are on pace to be the first team to get 50, 40, 90 for the whole year. And they're destroying everyone they're playing. Yeah. Uh, it's it, like yeah, it's no, not I'm, even a question. <laughs> I'm I'm right there with you. I think it's Joe Missoula. Um he inherited a team in in turmoil. They said even though yeah, the Celtics were in the finals last year. With when all that stuff happened with Ime, everyone was counting out the Celtics. They thought, "Oh man, these two, these, they're gonna blow up their. They might blow up their roster. Maybe split up Tatum and Brown. Um, we'll see what." And then I, I don't even know why they're saying that. But uh, I, I'm a big Celtics fan, and I will and I will be the first one to say when I heard the KD for Brown rumors, I I wasn't against it, but I wasn't gonna encourage it. I said, if it no, happens, yeah. okay, we get we get a top three player in the NBA. You get Kevin fucking Durant. I went back. I went. I went. I went back. I went back and forth on that, and I just don't think I would want to give up the upside so not, and so the longevity I. of Jalen Brown. I was Brown. too. You're you're, you're innocent because I was too. Mm-hmm. But it's just the sense of just um, imagine this roster with the team they have. With instead of Jalen Brown, you have KD and Tatum, with the whole roster around. I think See, he'd I be th- scoring 200 points a game instead of one like, <laughs> 30. I, I, I think Tatum and Brown gel a little bit better. and, and uh, They've the been chemistry. together their whole career, though. Like, Brown came in one year earlier than Tatum, and since Tatum's been yeah. there, they've just been... And, and chemistry, plays a huge, chemistry plays a huge part in, in basketball, and I think that those, those two guys just gel together. And I think that they wouldn't have the number one offense in, the, in NBA history if they did have Kevin Durant. But um, I, I I agree with you guys on both of those. Just real quick, like I think if I think if you throw KD instead of Brown, like it looks good on paper. But I mean, KD, Kyrie, and Harden look good on paper, and they did nothing. You know, exactly. KD, KD, Kyrie, and Simmons look good on paper, and we don't think they're going to beat you know the Tatum and Brown Celtics. You know, so you can make a great team on paper. I mean, LeBron, AD, and West Westbrook look good on paper. You know, but when you put them on the court, does it fit? Does it gel in a locker room? Right. So. Those are huge, huge components of that uh, uh, components of a, of a winning team. Yep. Uh, so we'll we'll move on to the uh, we'll do defensive player of the year so far, and we'll start we'll just start with you, Matt, again. Uh, I'm going to go with Giannis. I mean, the guy's just a ridiculous human being. He's he's six eleven. He can block shots. He's all over the place. He can he can guard your point guard. He can guard your center. Um, he's ridiculous. I want to give a shout out to AD too, though, because AD's really come on as of late. He's averaging uh, the third most blocks in the league with over a steal per game. But I think I'm going to go have to go with Giannis. I think he's just a more overall versatile defender, and uh, he's he really is the catalyst for that Bucks defense. Ernesto, sorry, I was just uh, putting my phone on the charger. Uh, oh, yeah. Anthony Davis. Uh, I, I understand the Giannis argument, but I think if Anthony Davis continues the tear he's on. Oh, uh, hold on. Let me see. I wrote it down. 2.3 blocks per game, 12.1 rebounds per game, 27.8 points per game. And those points per game, if he's keeping the score in 30-plus, it's just going to go up. You know, okay. he's – and he's one defensive player of the year before. So it's not like it's something new to him. Um, I think most definitely he uh, 
he's number one for me, especially with his Terry's on. Giannis, you know, always is in the conversation for it, but it doesn't seem like he wins it all the time. Like last year, uh, Smart won it. And that shot me. I thought it was going to go to Mikel Bridges. I think Mikel Bridges came in second. I think Giannis yeah, Mikhail, third, yeah. but I'm not, yeah. I might be incorrect. Yeah, but, no, so um, I have I have Giannis. I think uh, I think the Bucks have an amazing defense. Brick Lopez is actually the favorite as of right now. Uh, yeah. yeah, crazy. But um, and Giannis is number two. He's in the league in blocks. I, I think I, he's averaging like three three a game. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that uh, I don't know Brick Lopez. He's never really played that many seasons healthy, so I don't think he'll keep that up. But I definitely think uh, Giannis will. Uh, we'll move on to Rookie of the Year. So we'll go with uh, Ernesto this time. Me? Yeah. Yep. Pablo. Pablo. Franchero. Uh, it's got to be him. Like, I don't see anyone really competing with him. Like, kid is good. And I I will be the first to say it here before – I haven't heard anyone else on podcast around the nation or anywhere else else uh, on sports media say this. Magic are going to be a problem. You give that young team time to develop, that team's going to be a problem. Franz Wagner is good. Cole Anthony is good. You still got Marco Fultz off bench, who's honestly, everyone was making fun of his uh, broken elbow shot and stuff like that. And he's developed something there. And you got Pablo now. You got, I don't know if they're going to keep Mobamba past this season, but you got Wendell Carter Jr., who's pretty young still. He's around 26, 27. That team could be a problem, and, and and that's a sneaky team to just look at because you got Brantero like shooting almost from the logo three pointers now, and he wasn't doing that in college at all. Like I think against the Celtics, he had like two of them from like the Magic logo in the Amway Center. He's a good. It, it, that, that's it. That's all I could say. Uh, I would have said Chet Holgum if he didn't get hurt during the the Olympics, but yeah, Pablo. Who you got, Matt? I got the same thing. I got Paolo Bancaro out of Orlando. I mean, he's averaging 22, 22 points a game, seven rebounds, four assists, 44% shooting. He's got a smooth – he's got a really smooth game. He's he's good in that mid-post. He's good off the dribble. He's got good handles, and he's 6'10", you know. So he's got a really, really bright future in the league. I also want to give a quick shout-out to uh, Ben Matherin from the uh, from the Indiana Pacers. Right now, he's averaging 18 you a game bay, the baby. off the bench. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's been balling. He's been balling, yes. too. Yes. Uh, I actually saw too. him. I saw him uh, last year. Yeah, he was nice. He was nice in the man in the in the tournament too. In the NCAA tournament last year, he was a beast too. He was he came on really strong in the NCAA tournament. So shout out to Ben Matherin, but I'm going to go with Paolo. He's got that smooth game, averaging 22 a game. And like Ernesto said, the Magic could be dangerous, especially because they're going to have the the best odds at the number one pick. You might get Victor Wembanyama and pair him with Paolo. You know, that's a pretty <laughs> tough. That's a pretty oh. that's a pretty tough front court, bro. That's a that pretty tough be. front court. Yeah. And then maybe. And then, and then you might be able to flip like Bull Bull and Franz Wagner for like a, a, a really solid guard. You can get in there. I don't and think they're going to you know. flip Bull Bull because Bull Bull's been doing really good this season. I don't know his numbers. I don't know if you but, can pull it up. I mean, if you if you bring in Wembenyama though, I mean, uh, there's not yeah. enough room. Like you got you got Powell and you, you you already you already got a you know another you got a you know, a better freak of a seven footer in there. So you're going to have to flip him for. I mean, I think I don't if you bring in Wembenyama, you have to go all in on a chip because you have to go all in. Oh no doubt. No doubt. Uh, I, I get the whole wanting to rebuild and start young. I get it. But, like, you need a super, superstar. And I'm going to mention again, if Levine's there, you go get Zach Levine. 
Now, he, he wasn't doing shit in Minnesota, like but he goes to Chicago. Now he's like amazing. He's been nice. Yep. Yeah, uh, I'm right there with you guys, Benchero. Um, I didn't think he'd be this great out of coming out of Duke. I, I uh, and he's kind of just shocked me with with how he's transitioned to the NBA and his one-on-one game is phenomenal. His post-ups game phenomenal. He has step back, step back jumpers. He can do it all. So uh, super excited to see this kid grow and just become better and better uh, as the years come. But, yeah, people, people, people were hating on that pick too. They were wondering why they didn't take Chet or why they didn't take Jabari Smith. And Powell's proven them wrong. Like he's going out there and he's been way better than Jabari Smith for sure. So yeah, he's proven he's proven everybody wrong as far as why Orlando took him with that number one pick. Who, yeah. who did Duke lose to? Duke lost to someone. Uh, North Carolina. Wait, uh, yeah, and, and he went and to Duke. Final right? I, I, I get, I get convinced. I get confused with Kentucky and Duke. I know Coach K's mm-hmm. from Duke, right? Yeah. Yep. I remember seeing that playoff game, the Final Four, and he was just incredible game. Team. And and I remember I was working at Wahlburgers in downtown Atlanta at the time, and the game was on the TV while we were cleaning when we closed. And I remember telling my 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 coworker, I was like, "He's the number one pick. Like, he's gonna be the number one pick." He's and nice. and they're like, and they're like, "I don't know. There's that Czech kid." I'm like, "No, he's the number one pick." Mm-hmm. All right, so we'll go ahead and move on to the last thing that we're covering real quick. Cur- uh, the current favorite from the East and Western Conference. So who do you guys got? We'll start with Matt. The West is so tough, man. The West, I mean. I'm looking at the standings. I, I I'm still going with Golden State. Like they're they're 13 and 13 right now. But I mean, we've seen them do it. We haven't seen and we haven't seen the rest of these teams really make any big runs or any big splashes. Like we see the with the Suns always flame out. The um, the the Nuggets have been flaming out. The Lakers. I don't trust them right now. The way their roster is constructed. The Pelicans are too young. The the Grizzlies seem like they're a little bit too young. The Kings are too young. It's that I I think I have to go with Golden State, but I do like Memphis though. I think Memphis is ready to make that jump this year, but um, I I think I still got to go with Golden State because I still have Steph Curry and that and that team around him. All right, Ernesto. I, I'm trying to. Oh, think. Wait, did you did you say? Wait, did you did you do he, it? For he didn't the, mention East. Yeah, sorry, I, I cut you off. Uh, the East. You want to? Oh, the I'm East. Not, yeah. The East. Uh, I'm still gonna go with. I'm, it's it's so so close in the East. The East is like it's the two teams, and you both are Celtics fans. So I'm gonna have to go with the Bucks because you guys are Celtics fans. So <laughs> I'm going, I'm 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 going, I'm going with Milwaukee, man. They uh, Milwaukee's gonna have, and no matter what series they have, they play. In my opinion, they're gonna have the best player on the court in Giannis Antetokounmpo. So in the NBA, having the best player on the court is super super important. They they have the best player on the court. They have one of the best defenses in the league. It feels like they're just kind of coasting through the regular season right now. They'll give Giannis a day off here. You know, Middleton just came back. They'll give Drew Drew Holiday a day off there, and they're still eighteen and six and the second best team in the NBA. So I think it's all fun and games until Daddy Horford comes. <laughs> true, true. Until Daddy Horford comes around, but I think slightly. I mean, it's a. I think it's a seven game series either way if these two teams play. And I'm gonna slightly edge the Bucks, partially because you two are Celtics fans. I'm gonna slightly edge the Bucks, but uh, I mean they got the best player on the court no matter what series they play in, and I think that's a huge advantage in the NBA. So I'm going with the Bucks. All right, so uh, what's uh, up to you now, Ernesto? Obviously, East is easy for me. I got the Celtics. Uh, they made it last season. Uh, they struggled to get there, 
And I'm not going to sit here and lie that I didn't shit myself a few times during this playoff game, especially the Jimmy Butler. Why did he pull up instead of attack Horford? <laughs> I don't care. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm going to make a quick joke. I'm going to be like, um, how are you going to say the Bucks have the best player when they don't even have Batman on their team? We have Batman on our team. And that's Grant Williams, what you mean, whose nickname oh. is Batman. <laughs> <laughs> let's not forget game seven grant williams against the bucks i think he was like seven for seven from three in that game and he's been he a consistent three-point three shooter all season honestly this year and you know i think the I, the reason i have the celtics over the books all unbiased all bs aside yes i know they're missing chris middleton they're the same team and i don't see how they improve we beat them with chris middleton before in the playoffs We've beat them with the same team they have. I think the Celtics got better in the offseason. You added Malcolm Brogdon, who's your sixth man. And they're on this amazing defensive and offensive tear without their best defensive player in the paint, without Robert Williams. But just without Robert Williams is coming back. And they could still sneakily make moves at the deadline. I mean, Brad Stevens is, hasn't shied away from being like this team could improve more. And I don't think they do. I think just keep it the same the rest of the way. You don't need to make no moves. Um, as far as the West goes, I, I know we're talking about the Warriors and stuff. I'm going to go to a team that I think would have beat the Warriors had their star player been healthy. That is the Grizzlies. Had John Morant not been hurt, they win game six and they win game seven. If mm -hmm. Stephen Curry does not become Chef Curry and put them to sleep in game six, I am a strong believer if the Grizzlies pulled out that game six, which was a really competitive game for most of the part, they would have beat them in game seven. And we would have had an amazing finals between the Celtics and Grizzlies. I think it would be an entertaining finals. And I think it's just something that I think could happen. I, I, I do like the Grizzlies. I think John Rantz, a phenomenal player. You got Jared Allen. Not Jared Allen. I'm sorry. Um, Jaron Jackson. I'm drawing a blank. Jaron Jackson. Thank you. Yeah, that's Desmond a great Bain, paint defender. Morant, Desmond yeah. Bain, you have these great young players, and they're well coached. Under them, I have obviously I have the Warriors under them, but I honestly think that the one time the Warriors looked really human in that in in those playoff run was against the Grizzlies because even without John Morant, they were still there. And you know, I, and I do think if John Morant does not get hurt, they win those that series. Yep. So I'm I'm uh, I, I pretty much agree with Ernesto. Uh, in the in the East, I think that the Celtics are just the most complete team, especially for the playoffs. I think that Giannis, um, if he can develop a jumper or a go-to move, he would he'd probably crush the Celtics. But since his whole thing in the playoffs is just run through players and hope the and hope the refs don't call a charge on him, uh, I just don't think that's the best recipe to win in the playoffs. And I think that the Celtics know what to do. They've done it in the past, and they'll keep continuing to do it. As for the West, I love the Grizzlies. I think that it's very rare when you find a team as young as them with the experience that they had, and they all play for each other. And then on top of that, they have one of the most explosive point guards in the NBA that can be anybody on the first step. And we saw it in, in the Western Conference Finals. They had the they had the the uh the warriors on on their heels and just like you said if moran doesn't go out it, it could have been a whole different series but 
Um, Des- Desmond Bain's an all-star too right now, by the way. He's, he's yeah. averaging 20. 20- He's averaging 25 a game on on 46% shooting, 45% shooting from three, 91% shooting from the line. So he's an all-star right now. Plus, he plays great defense. So you got the jaw and, and, and Bain combination to go along with Jaron Jackson and that bench that they got. They got a really solid bench and really solid depth, really good shooting. They're definitely they're definitely a threat out there in the West for sure. Yeah. But I would never count out the Warriors. I mean, they're, they're they have four four titles for a reason. They have the best arguably one of the best point guards in NBA history on their team, best backcourt shooting ever. So they, they have their shot. Um, but that's going to be it for the Brickhouse episode today, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you guys, hope we'll see you guys next week. Check out our sponsors. We have the liquid IV ticker below. Keep hydrated, 25% off all orders. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. And then you have the Raiders. Like, I remember Rob at the beginning of the season was predicting and was telling every anybody that had ears that could hear.